Greetings, and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this show explores the intersection of security, technology, and society, and thinks about what might be coming next. Every Monday, there's a news and analysis episode that condenses 5 to 20 hours of reading and analysis into a 15-minute summary, as well as regular essays, interviews, and book reviews that cover specific topics. The goal is to give you a concise, curated update on the most interesting things happening in the world, and to explore ideas that give you something to think about and prepare you for what's coming next. All right, welcome to episode 272. Starting off with security news, the FBI has warned that malicious actors in Russia and China are likely to start using deepfakes in their influence campaigns in the coming weeks. Many predicted this years ago, including me and uh, some other people that I follow in the disinformation space. And it seems like the tech this time has finally hit a point that's making it a real threat. So we'll see if this actually pans out or not. The Hafnium and other actors, looks like there's at least six actors going after this uh, exchange situation. Uh, The attacks continue to play out. I mean, this thing started all the way back in the very beginning of January. So more victims keep getting discovered. I mean, people are still figuring out how bad it is. They're trying to figure out, you know, the results of their IR processes. Like, this is not the last we'll hear of this. Kind of similar to the SolarWind stuff. It's not just about the initial attack, but what happened afterwards and how deep they were able to get. And now there's a new angle with uh, people, a new actor, launching ransomware uh, using this attack. So. Once they get access via the exchange attack, they launch ransomware, which that is to be expected. And also crypto mining. So, seeing some evidence of that as well. So, it makes sense. I mean, you have follow-ups and you have the initial entry point, and they're just pairing these together. At least six major Chinese universities that are known to have connections to government-backed hacking groups are partnering to work on integrating AI into offensive and defensive cybersecurity. So basically like automatic detection of vulnerabilities, detection of attacks, etc. And this report is pretty cool. It actually details which universities are working on which components, like defensive or offensive, and specifically what their research is focused on. Microsoft is taking fire for removing exchange exploit code out of a researcher's GitHub. They now own GitHub, which is really the issue. So many see this as overstepping. But others argue that patches are already available, and it's just a public safety issue. I think I'm probably more in that camp, but I haven't put a lot of deep thought into it, so I could be missing something. But I do have to admit that it's disturbing for Microsoft to just delete something because they can, because they own the company. I mean, when they own the whole entire property and something just disappears out of your account because they have that power, that's a little disturbing, even if they're right. Yeah, kind of a weird situation there. China and Russia are partnering to build a space station on the moon, and they say other nations will also be able to use it. So that's good news, and no reason to doubt or distrust them whatsoever. Vulnerabilities. 
Microsoft's Patch Tuesday had 82 fixes with two zero days. Microsoft Windows DNS Server RCE, which is CVE 2021-26897, has scores of 9.8 and 8.5. SAP has nine security notes for March, including two criticals. F5 is to release patches for vulnerabilities in their big IP and big IQ systems. Schneider Electric has some issues with their Power Logic line of smart meters. And QNAP has an RCE or multiple RCEs that are being used to mine crypto. Incidents. More victims of the Excelion attacks continue to surface, kind of like uh, the two previous ones we just talked about. So it's not just the vulnerability, but the crime ecosystem around this Excelion stuff with various groups launching extortion campaigns based on the files they got access to. So they're not just encrypting or anything. They're saying, I have this stuff and it's sensitive and I will tell your customers. And if, you know, if you don't pay up. So these uh, ecosystems continue to evolve in a very scary way. And Buffalo Public Schools have been hit by a ransomware attack that is bad enough to possibly require multiple days of missed school. Companies. Cyber insurance firm Cowbell has raised $20 million. They cover companies with revenue up to a billion dollars and claim to be the first cybersecurity insurance company using AI to do risk selection and pricing which I'm pretty sure that's not correct, but good marketing. Technology news. Facebook has 10,000 engineers supposedly working on AR and VR. What you need to know about Roblox and why kids are obsessed with it. Deepfakes can be detected by using AI to analyze reflections or the lack thereof or discrepancies in reflections in the eyes of subjects. So they can already make a subject look very realistic, like the recent Tom Cruise one. But it turns out that if you zoom in on these deepfakes' eyes, the eye is a, is a sphere, and it's reflective. So it should see basically the same thing bounced back in both eyes. And by looking at discrepancies in one eye versus the other, this new AI, so it's again, it's dueling banjos, this new AI can detect that it's not a real image because the eye reflections are not natural. And of course, that will become a new feature in the deepfake software to make that even better. So cat and mouse, dueling banjo situation. Substack is going pro by giving writers money up front and taking most of their subscription revenue for the first year. And then after the first year, it flips back. So it's like 85-15, and then it flips back to 15-85. Really interesting approach. Netflix is doing limited testing of a tool that can prompt users who appear to be sharing a password. And it basically prompts them and says, hey, I know you're sharing an account. I'm not sure exactly what it says. It says something like that. It says. This is, you know, a password used by a shared account. Other people are using this password. You should really get your own subscription. Companies, Stripe is now worth $95 billion. And it's still private. 
Human news. A new study says sugar is the key problem in Americans' diets and that it can cause diabetes even without obesity. But someone pointed out that this is kind of an older study, so it's not super new, but definitely pretty conclusive, or at least pretty strong at the time of writing. People are starting to get vaccinated due to their BMI. So people with a BMI of 45 or higher were 61% more likely to die of COVID than those with a BMI less than 25. But some people are kind of feeling stigmatized because it's opening up because they're fat, which my BMI is crazy high, and uh, I'd be happy to get a shot because of it. I would feel a little guilty. It's like your own bad self-discipline is the result, is the reason you're able to jump the line. I don't know. It doesn't feel great but I wouldn't get too bent out of shape out of it. But I haven't made that case. I haven't got my vaccine yet because I'm just waiting like a regular person. Scientists just found a fossilized dinosaur sitting on a clutch of eggs. And this is in China, and people are really excited about this. It's the first time this has ever happened. Content Ideas and Analysis, How Raising Minimum Wage Can Accelerate Human Job Loss to Automation. It's my recent essay on the trade-off between humans and automation for business owners. And Chart Scale Types, my recent article on different scale types within charts and when to use them. Notes, Countering Audiophile Snake Oil. So I've been diving deep into the audiophile world and you know, me being me, I'm a bit obsessed with finding out what is snake oil and what isn't. Like, what's the real stuff and what's the uh, bullshit, basically. And a couple of the questions are like, how much does high-res audio actually matter? Like, do speaker and power cables matter? And if so, how much? And I think I already have some answers to these. So there are two basic camps here, though. They're like subjectivists and objectivists. And objectivists are all about, well, just measure it, hook it up to a machine and measure it. And if you don't see a difference in the measurements, then there can't possibly be a difference. And the subjectivists are more like wine snobs, you know, like basically, oh, I, I detect hints and aromas of mahogany and seagrass, right? So they can just be like, look, I can hear it because I've been doing this for 30 years and I'm an audiophile and I have this much music and whatever, I've been buying speakers since before you were born, or whatever the argument is. And they're just like, look, I just know. And I have a strong aversion to that because I know how strong the placebo effect is and how powerful cognitive biases can be. Like A-B tests, even very careful and well-trained people can have these biases. I know this from lots of other industries, and I've I've seen it anecdotally in, in the audio file world as well. So I'm trying to just cut through some of that and figure out what is what. And I'm okay to have some placebo in my whatever ice cream or audio. That's fine. If it's making a major difference, um, you know, maybe the, the car that you love actually is a little faster if it has a racing stripe down the side. Who knows if my brain thinks it is and I'm having more fun, then I'm okay with a little bit of it. If, if I know the effect that's going on, 
But a lot of this audiophile world is just crazy. They, they take it to an extreme, you know, $3,000 for a power cable, $16,000 for a power cable, that kind of stuff. So anyway, I found this new forum called Audio Science Review, who it's a whole bunch of like hardcore engineers, especially the main guy who runs it, whose name is Amir. And he's a hardcore engineer. Uh, he was like an electrical engineer, used to work at Microsoft in the 80s. And he's basically going and debunking all these things. He's measuring these uh, pieces of equipment with a lot of rigor and quality and honesty, really. It's just a good vibe. It's very healthy, I think, for the audiophile community. But it's really divided. Like, the people in this forum generally hate most of the other computer forums or the other audiophile forums because the other audiophile forums are like, oh, you have to try this. It's magical, you know, with hints of seagrass. And the objectivists are like, nope, if you can't measure it, if you can't, you know, capture it in some sort of quantifiable way, then it's complete garbage. And they're just battling. And I think the answer is likely to be somewhere in the middle. I think there is likely to be a lot of stuff in the human brain that deals with perception of quality and perception of good versus bad. And combine that with subjectiveness and preferences. And I think you can actually have vastly better for a person or worse for a person stuff that is not perfectly captured uh, with, you know, this kind of measuring equipment. So I 100% believe that. And actually, I think Amir believes that as well. And he's, he's the uh, person who started this forum. But I'm also definitely not for the wine snob version of the audiophile world who just they think that they can hear every single little thing. They can hear the difference between this format and that format and this bit rate and that bit rate. And they could do it and they just claim that their authority is the fact that they've been doing it for 30 or 40 years. Like I just had an interaction, for example, with a uh, high-end audio person who has literally been doing this for 40 years. And they basically told me that every three decibels is double the amount of sound to the human ear. And I'm pretty sure I just learned in all of my whatever, very few hours of studying, like hardcore studying, that three decibels is double the amount of output, but it is not double the amount of perception to the human. That's actually 10 decibels that requires that. So one of us is wrong, but it might be him. I think it might be him. Um, I'm pretty sure I looked at this, this up multiple places. And this is the type of stuff that audiophiles will just kind of throw around casually because they're trying to impress somebody. And, you know, someone without an electrical engineer background or an audio engineer background or just a super nerd like me probably would know the difference. And they're just going to be impressed and then spend tens of thousands of dollars on something that might not have much appreciable difference. Um, anyway, I like audio, as you could tell. So that was quite a rant. Anyway, the, the whole point of this is that this guy now has a channel, YouTube channel, which is linked in the show. By the way, this is a member show, so you'll have to 
sign up or be a member to get access to the notes this week because it is 272, which is an even number. But uh, yeah, really cool stuff. It's called Audio Science Review. Of course, you could just go there or look on the YouTube channel for Audio Science Review and uh, just go there for free. So I recently learned that there's a movement to have the U.S. rejoin with the U.K. And definitely don't Google that. You'll be greatly disappointed in humanity and life in general. I just finished reading This Is How They Tell Me The World Ends by Nicole Perlroth. And it's a book on cybersecurity exploit markets. And it was a great history for me. A lot of cybersecurity events of the last few decades were covered in a way that was kind of a, it was a refresher. I, I did live through them, but it was still a refresher. Heard a lot of names that I know. Um, it was really interesting. A lot of things I didn't know about some people that I do know. I like, I, I won't name any names, but it's like, oh, I was surprised they were doing that at that time. It's pretty cool. Uh, so I'll give that a nine out of 10. And I also just finished Think Again by Adam Grant. It was great, but more of a collection of content from other places than anything super new to me, but still really well done. So that was an 8 out of a 10. And Discovery. <clears throat> Feedly is my preferred RSS reader. Don't think I really mention Feedly that often, but it is the primary mechanism that I use for managing my inputs that go into this show. So if you are still looking for an RSS reader, and are not happy with a lot of the free ones, you should get in on some Feedly. Vim GIFs, short Vim tutorials as GIFs. 12 feet, just 12 FT, a website that claims to be able to bypass any paywall, or most paywalls, they list the most popular ones, and you can use it just by appending 12ft.io to any URL. And I'm definitely not advocating this be used like as a matter of course, but whatever. Do it for science, do it for the kids. Drift car air fresheners. Bet you never thought I would say those words and that you would hear them from me. But uh, it's kind of like uh, Uncrate or whatever. I'm, I'm going through a bunch of these sites trying to find really cool products. Um, and this drift car air fresheners I just signed up for, it's a subscription and you buy it and it's like a block of wood kind of, but like scented wood. And they send you another one like every month and it just uh, keeps your car smelling good. Um, and I've been looking for like the perfect air freshener for the car. I've done a bunch of stuff. I've done coffee beans. I've done, um, my latest one is dryer sheets. That works kind of good, but I'm going to give this a shot. Next one here is Brookings Institute Data on China's Economy. I'm trying one of these Fellows Stag EKG coffee kettles, and someone in the uh, UL Slack channel said that they've been using it and they liked it, uh, but that it died and they had to send them a new one. And I actually heard that in the Amazon reviews as well, that sometimes they die, but. You get a new one and everything's fine. The author of Lolita, which I've never read, uh, probably need to. It's one of the classics. Vladimir 
Nabokov wrote an essay that's just now being published about how Superman was sad that he couldn't have kids with Lois Lane. And this is like, it's a whole essay about Superman or Lois Lane. I'm a huge Superman nerd, so I'm going to get in on that, probably. Dynamic analysis of how the New York Times A-B tests their headlines. That was quite interesting. They actually pulled a bunch of, uh, they actually made a whole bunch of automated requests. They did it dynamically, not just kind of browsing around. And running shoes appear to be causing multiple new track records. Recommendation for the week, order a bag of this coffee. It is Hazelnut by Phil's Coffee. And Phil's is a roaster out of Oakland, California. And they're all over the Bay Area, especially in San Francisco. But I also go to the one in Fremont a lot. And uh, yeah, order it whole bean, prepare with a good grinder and your favorite preparation technique, which my favorite is AeroPress. And this is my go-to coffee. I, I guess it was right before the pandemic. I tried like 20 of the world's best coffees. Like I got them from everywhere, like Ethiopia, um, Blue Mountain from Jamaica, just a whole bunch of places, and obviously a whole bunch in the Bay Area. And I en ended up going back to Phil's. I, it's honestly my favorite. Um, Tesora. Um, filtered soul is my second favorite. Um, hazelnut is my favorite. And then Tesora is probably like my third, maybe. But yeah, definitely uh, get some of that. And aphorism for the week. The stock market is a device for transferring money from the impatient to the patient. <laughs> I love this quote. The stock market is a device for transferring money from the impatient to the patient. Warren Buffett.